Welcome to YP Connect, a podcast series delivered by YP Gold Coast, the city's leading advocacy group which aims to motivate, inspire and connect future city leaders. In this series, we're talking to passionate Gold Coasters who are at the top of their fields, from CEOs and business leaders to entrepreneurs, academics and health professionals, representing the industries that will drive our economic success now and into the future. My name is Carla Toomer. I'm a YP Gold Coast committee member and journalist and presenter for 1029 Hot Tomato and MyGC. Together with the YP committee, I'll be bringing you six podcasts over the next several weeks, exploring everything from tourism industry development and recovery to building personal brands, pivoting in a crisis and medical breakthroughs happening right here in our backyard. Today's podcast is presented by YP Gold Coast and Griffith University, and we'll be talking to Cameron Bray, a university graduate who has built a career chartering super yachts around the world. He's returned to the Gold Coast to turn his skills to the Australian market, which he says comes at a critical time for the industry as super yachts are expanding in Australia particularly on the Gold Coast. He's been recognised twice as the Gold Coast Young Entrepreneur Hospitality and Tourism Award winner after building up his company Bray Management, the super yacht people. Cameron's career has seen him work for some interesting clientele, including a Saudi princess and the Packer family. Although Cameron didn't initially envision his unique and exciting career path, he says his Griffith business degree has been crucial for his career development. Also joining me in the studio today is YP Gold Coast committee member, James Fulton Kennedy, who is a financial advisor at Morgan's, Australia's largest full service stockbroking and wealth management network. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you, Carla. Now, Cameron, I've got to ask, working with super yachts, how amazing. It sounds very glamorous and luxurious. Is is that true? Oh, look, on the outside, uh, of course it is. Um, but but it, is, it is very much a glamorous lifestyle um, for the owners and for the charterers of the yachts. Um, but like anything, it is still incredible hard work. And... Uh, and you're delivering on quite possibly the highest expectations that, that clients could have. You know, it, it's 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 greater than any um, luxury hotel or resort or spa around the world. So um, it is highly demanding, but it's highly rewarding. And some incredible destinations, I imagine, that you have spent some time at. Yeah, absolutely. Like I spent a lot of time in Europe um, cruising around the Mediterranean and uh, and you know, depending on who your your owner or your charter client is, some want to be seen. They want to be smack in the middle of Monaco and Saint-Tropez uh, and be seen by everybody. Others want to get as far away from that <laughs> as they possibly can and be anonymous. Uh, and that's really the exciting part about it is that, is that you know, no two clients are the same and they, and they have different uh, desires and uses for their yachts. Talk us through some of the clientele that you've worked with. Obviously, I mentioned a Saudi princess. How incredible is that? Yeah, that was fantastic. And, and that was really my first sort of foray into the, to the industry. And, and look, perhaps I got quite lucky um, having such an incredible um, owner sort of first up. And, um, you know, I ended up working for her for three years. I, I started off um, just wanting to do one summer and, uh, and then go back to London and put the suit and tie on and work in business. And um, at the end of the summer, she said to the captain that uh, she liked me and wanted me to stay. So um, I was in that sort of that sliding doors moment of what do I do? Do I stay or do I go back and, and work in the business field? And so I thought, well, 
uh, if I'm going to stay, I may as well educate myself. And, and so I said, if you, you know, give me the time to do some maritime study and, and pay for my courses, then I'll stay. So that was the trade-off. And, and winters, I'd go back to the UK and do some, some study. And then summers would be the sea time. And, and then worked my way up the ladder to, you know, to become the level of a captain. So, um, and then working for the princess was, was phenomenal. She was very, very respectful. Um, you know, you're doing something for them that they can't do for themselves. And, and you really become part of their family because they, they trust their private life in, in, in your hands. So you never imagined as a student back when you started your degree at business, I mean, sorry, your degree at Griffith studying business, that you were going to end up where you are today? Oh, absolutely not. Look, my whole, uh, I suppose, time through high school and growing up, I wanted to be an accountant. Um, and that, that was my, my pure focus. I went straight to Griffith, studied accounting, and, I, and I, I think I was about halfway through my degree and I just thought, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> um, look, I love numbers, but I need to be around people. I need to change this up. And, and I suppose that was the, the, the best thing about the, the flexibility with, with the degree at Griffith was, was being able to, to, you know, change my majors to be able to facilitate that. And and uh, and you know, never did I think that I'd be I'd be running a super yacht management company. Yeah. So how did that transition occur from you working on a super yacht to now running your own company? Yeah, sure. I, I think what I sort of found from working with the princess and 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 working, uh, well, I suppose, across a number of different yachts and various owners, and then um, I, I had an opportunity to come back to Australia and and, and work for for James Packer and, and run his yacht in Sydney. Um, and I sort of thought, well, you know, this is the industry that I want to be in. You know, I, I, I really um, thrived and, and sort of um, got a lot of excitement out of working for these type of clients and, and delivering on their expectations. So I thought, well, how can I put yachts and business together? And being back in Australia, I just saw that, that really there was nobody offering that sort of specific yacht management business. Um, in, in Europe and in the States, it's... Uh, I suppose it's anything that is old money and, and assets are all managed by a third party. Um, in Australia, everything was self-managed. You know, there was the, the captain was trying to run the yacht, you know, maintain the engines, keep it, you know, drive the yacht as well as run the charter business. And and it was, you know, sort of wasn't enough separation of duties. So we just sort of saw the opportunity that if you know the captain can maintain and run the asset, we run the business, then everything will actually um, work to its best capacity. So super yachts are clearly one of the most prized possessions of their owners. How did you initially get them to trust you and then build leverage to get other clientele to trust you with this possession? Yeah, sure. So look, when I first got back to Australia, I was in a number of varying roles. Uh, I got into the sales of yachts. I got into the, the management of yachts. Um, I sold a yacht to, a, to a, an owner and he asked me to move to Sydney and um, and manage the, the yacht for him. We, and we turned that into a, a commercial charter yacht. And then he bought a larger super yacht as well. And so we started to turn them into quite successful charter yachts in Sydney Harbour. And it was really that moment where, you know, I was working with charter brokers and agents and they all sort of said, hey, look, you know, everyone needs, every yacht needs somebody like you, someone who has the yachting experience, but also gets the business side of it because you just make it so easy to, to, to do business with you. And that was that moment I thought, well, why don't I do that for, for myself? We'll do that for everybody. So I think having that experience with some high-profile owners to start with gave that sort of credibility. Um, and, you know, you're, you were credibility checked, of course. You know, they pick up the phone and ring, you know, so-and-so's friend or that particular owner. And, and that really helped. And I think having that sort of um, confidence to, to, to have the backing was, was a big plus. 
Was there anyone else in Australia that was doing what you were doing or were you sort of the first to bring that here? Look, there was yeah, it hadn't been done before, and there was myself and, and a couple of other guys that were all around about the same time looking at, at implementing that same sort of structure into uh, into Australia. So you know, we just um, we sort of basically took it upon ourselves to to uh, I suppose not make it more the industry more professional, but make it more structured, make it more. Um, uh, legitimate put contracts in place and paperwork in place that really wasn't there before. Um, and so uh, we, we basically became the first Australian company that was uh, accredited by the Worldwide Yachting Association. Um, and now there's, I think, about six or eight or so companies in Australia that have that accreditation. So, you know, we we're always trying to be at the forefront of, of bringing that professionalism into Australia and, and keeping it systemised, whether it's Australia, Europe, uh, the States, the Caribbean. How does the super yacht industry here compare to Europe and the States? Obviously, over there, it's it's massive. How is it different here? Oh, look, the thing about it, I suppose you've got the, the, the depth of wealth in, in over there. You know, there's only 25 million people or so in Australia mm. and there's, you know, there, there's billions of people over, in, you know, in Europe and the States. So, um, and that old wealth as well. So, so it is a it is a cultural change, and obviously, it, Australia is big in, in the big with their maritime culture and big about being on water. So, I think we we bat above our weight in terms of you know what we what we have in terms of population and per capita. Uh, and what I've seen, particularly in the last ten years, is just the size of the yachts in Australia getting bigger. So when I first got back, you know, a 100-foot yacht was massive. You know, there was only a few of them around. Mm-hmm. Um, and now a 100-foot yacht is sort of, you know, run of the mill and now they're getting up to 150 <laughs> feet and, and above. Um, that's still small scale compared to the rest of the world. Uh, but, you know, we, we are um, probably one of the most rapidly increasing markets in the world. Um, and that is recognised globally as well. So in terms of the Gold Coast in Queensland, um, I'd read that only recently the Great Barrier Reef had been opened up to allow super yachts to charter. How's that affected business? Yeah, we're, we're starting to see a lot more interest in in foreign flag or, or international super yachts coming down to Australia. Um, and that was sort of through, you know, um, the various committees that, that I'm involved in and, and also been the, the, the chairman of Super Yacht Queensland for the last couple of years as well. It's just spending a lot of time lobbying to government, putting together economic impact studies and presenting case studies to them on, on how this will improve the industry and the market if we are allowed to have these yachts come through. And what we're seeing now is particularly with major events in the South Pacific or in the Pacific Rim, like the America's Cup in Auckland next year. Um, we obviously were supposed to have the Olympics this year, but still it'd be great having that next year up in Tokyo because that will keep the, the yachts in this region for longer, we hope. Um, they'll sort of use Australia as that you know midway point between Europe um, and the States or the Suez and the Panama Canals. They're the kind of two bookend locations <laughs> or sort of places. That, and Australia is geographically perfectly in the middle. Um, and the fact that we've got such great infrastructure with our marinas and shipyards and such skilled labour, we offer fantastic service um, and provisions for these yachts to then hang around and spend more time in this region and use it as a bit of a base. Well, the Gold Coast is definitely going to great lengths to entice super yacht owners to bring their vessels to our city. We've got a brand new $100 million boatworks precinct in Coomera and a permanent border clearing station at the Southport Yacht Club was recently approved by the federal government. What benefit do you think having these boats come to our city is going to bring? And should we be doing more as a city to attract super yachts? 
Absolutely, Carla. The, uh, and the reason that, that this huge investment has been made privately in, in these big infrastructure projects, you know, whether it's the boatworks, whether it's the Gold Coast City Marina uh, at Coomera, you know, then you've got other facilities in Brisbane, the Rivergate Shipyard, um, Southport Yacht Club, they're all investing huge, huge dollars privately um, to actually allow these, uh, these yachts to have access to their marinas. And the reason being is, you know, as an average rule of thumb, you know, a yacht will spend about 10 percent of the value annually on maintenance and repair so if you've got a a 50 million dollar yacht that's coming down here that's five million dollars a year and if they decide to stay in australia and and push that money into the gold coast you know that's a huge amount of money that's going into local jobs it's you know tradies driving utes down to to work on the on the on the um on the vessels as Mm -hmm. well as you know not just the big shipyards not just the big marinas um and then when once they've finished those infrastructure or sorry those those maintenance projects the crew sort of, you know, report back to the owner, hey, it's pretty good here. You know, it's we get to sit at the Southport Yacht Club, go surfing in the morning yeah. and come back and work on the yacht during the day. You know, so um, in terms of their lifestyle offering as well, it's fantastic for crew. So the longer we have a yacht sitting around spending money, the, the better it is for, for the local economy. And, and that's sort of... Um, I suppose, being supported by some um, recent evidence that we have on that that annual, that ancillary and annual spend on yachts. And, and an annual <coughs> visiting, sorry, super yacht will spend the average of a 2,000-person passenger ship every day. Wow. And they can only sleep a maximum of 12 people. Um, so you look at the, the, the gross spend that can go into the local economy, um, it's just incredible. So if you have a few of them parked up next to each other, um, the numbers add up pretty quickly. Obviously, a super yacht's very different to a cruise ship, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on whether the Gold Coast should be pushing for a cruise ship terminal. Uh, look, I don't want to be too controversial, <laughs> but personally, I, I look, I, I think you know the the, the money uh, and the and the effort should be spent elsewhere. Uh, really? I can't see there being a huge. I mean, look, I, I'm not the one who's sort of done all those those economic studies, but mm-hmm. you know, unless the the Gold Coast is a start or end point of a cruise. Um, it's not going to get the huge economic value that we would that you'd hope for, because they're not going to fill up the Gold Coast hotels and restaurants and theme parks. You know, they're literally going to pull into the Gold Coast in the morning, maybe go and buy a cup of coffee and a stuffed koala and a t-shirt, and then leave in the afternoon. Um, whereas if we were to have you know a num you know a half a dozen or a dozen super yachts lined up next to each other, um, and they're spending you know, on average $20,000 a day, um, it adds up pretty quickly. So you're pushing more for more super yachts than cruise ships. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Um, And and look, whilst the data might look great for tourism to say, you know, there was 2,000 people or 3,000 people on a ship and they all went in and bought a cup of coffee, um, that's... You know that that might look good for data, but it's not actually the, the total value spend that these yachts will put on the Gold Coast. It'll be nowhere near as equivalent as to um, you know the small amount that the uh, that the cruise ships offer. That is not the opinion that I thought you would have. So that's very interesting. Um, you were speaking before about all the services and what you do in terms of you do more than chartering the yachts. You also do financial management, event management, safety management, and crew management. So I suppose you are using that accounting degree. Um, in terms of when you merged your brand with Northrop and Johnson, how have you found the vertical integration has helped your business in Australia? Uh, look, the, the reason we, we worked with, uh, with Northrop and Johnson was to, to, to give us that global, uh, that global reach and also that global credibility, um, that particularly working with international brokers and international agents that, that would have that comfort and that security of working with a... Uh, a, a smaller firm in Australia. Um, 
I've found that you know the, the use of their, their 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 reach and their marketing skills um, has been very beneficial. Um, and what we've done with Northrop and Johnson is sort of realised where the the, the best um, advantages are by working with them, and that's having that 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 brokerage or that large yacht um, uh, sales, and also the management aspect. Uh, and then in terms of what we do in Australia with our events um, and our smaller sort of day charters. Um, that one, that's not really aligned, I suppose, with with you know what Northrop and Johnson do. So we've tried to pull that away, and that's where we've uh, introduced the superyacht people was to be more focused on that events, that fun, that high energy, high turnover um, charters. And then we've got that Northrop and Johnson arm, which is more that um, you know uh, longer lead, um, longer yield type um, outcome. So have you found that you've had to, in terms of your company values, had to run two separate values or do you find the two companies work pretty closely together? Yeah, very, very much uh, uh, aligned um, in that respect. Uh, and, and that was all sort of fairly well put on the table at the start when we had those you know, discussions about whether we were going to, to merge or, or take on the, the licence in Australia. And for us, it's very much just driven around the client experience. And I know that sort of sounds like the, the, the cliche that you hear a lot, but for us, it just means that, you know, whether somebody's got, you know, a $5,000 budget to charter a yacht or whether they've got a $500,000 budget doesn't mean they're, they're deserving of any less of an experience. Um, and so for us, that experience was not just exclusive to the end user, it was carried right through. You want the you know, the chef and the caterer who's providing the food to have a great experience and the whole booking process. So then that provides a better outcome of the food. It's the captain making sure that he's relaxed through the whole process so that he's, you know, provides a better service on the actual charter itself. You know, the owner has a good experience. So for us, it was making sure that experience went, um, I suppose, sideways rather than just, just, just vertical. Your business has been so successful thus far. What's next? What's on the 10-year plan? Yeah, sure. Well, we're trying to you know, utilise, I suppose, yeah, look at the opportunities coming forward and that's the the, the, the greater visitation of super yachts into this region, um, not only as, you know, we've got the major events in this region like the America's Cup, but also as yachts just tend to go further afield and they're more specifically built to go further afield. Is, is also having that experience of, you know, service, you know, looking after yachts through the provisioning, through organising marinas and fuel, etc. So we have launched a, a separate business called Foreign Flag Yachting, which is um, basically set up to provide that shore-based service for visiting super yachts and also the, um, the, the, the fiscal management in terms of its taxation obligations. So if a foreign yacht is chartering in Australia, mm-hmm. um, somebody needs to collect the GST off that charter and pay that to the tax office. So we've, we've been set up and we've got a, a, an agreement and a ruling through the tax office which allows us to act as that taxation agent for that owner while they're in Australia, which is a huge win for us. And we've been working alongside PwC and putting that together over the last sort of four or five years. Um, and then out puts us in, a, in a, the box seat for when these yachts come down and start chartering in Australia. Cameron, what advice would you give to individuals who might be at university at the moment and they're wondering what they should do if they're thinking outside the box what words would you give them as advice oh good question uh back yourself um look for opportunities uh, i think what i did was just whenever there was a sliding door moment you know i, I tried to take the, the the path of least resistance i'm sorry not take the path of least <laughs> resistance try and take the challenge and test myself um that was really it it was you know and I was faced with a whole number of those sort of sliding door moments or those you know fork in the road and it was sort of okay well 
particularly when I was younger, I thought, well, I've got nothing to lose by, by taking the challenge, by pushing myself and seeing what I'm capable of. And every time another one of those opportunities arise, I just kept taking that and taking that and keep sort of pushing it further and further. And, um, you know, you, you do have those moments where you question everything, but, um, you know, I think just, just continue to back yourself and know that you've, you've, you've got the capabilities, you've, you've done all the hard work to put yourself in that position um it's just like any sort of form of training really isn't it you know so you've put yourself in a in a position to to launch forward well Cameron thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure to learn more about your story it sounds absolutely amazing and no doubt you've got a very successful future ahead of you thanks Carla thanks James